Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. Biotech bounce back. Conventional wisdom says the sector and healthcare overall is a no-touch in an election year. But could those things be different this time around? We'll go inside the numbers. Plus, retail revival. The ETF that tracks this group is up over 11% this month. And some names on the clearance rack are mounting a comeback. We'll dig through the discounts. And later, talking tech, taking tech to the task. Famed journalist Kara Swisher will join us to talk about her new book and the echoes of the dot-com boom and the current AI frenzy. All that plus a surge pricing test for burgers and Frosties, cruising stocks cruising higher, and the Bitcoin boom hitting a new milestone. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the Nasdaq on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feiderman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We begin with this chart. It is a look at a sector that has jumped 50% since its lows last October. It's not tech. And it's not crypto. The question now is, can these gains hold? So are you guys ready for the big reveal? Please. You yeah, I'm looking mean, at the XBI, the stop it. biotech index. This week alone, it is up close to 9% in all of this in an election year when conventional wisdom says all things healthcare should struggle. What are we looking at here? A bounce back? A comeback? What? m and activity without Don't question. Don't call don't call it a comeback. Cool no, it's LL Cool J. Ladies, ladies love but Cool J. That's what the LL. I, did you know that? So you did. So you did. Did you know that? that? No, I had no well, idea. he's a fan yeah. of the show, so I'm please sure. call in. No, I think there's <laughs> definitely some room to the upside. Listen, I'll look at the IBB. We can look at the XBI, but all of them, I think, are sort of. I don't want to say spring loaded, but I'll say that because of the M&A activity in the space that will continue in the space. A lot of these companies, the big cap pharma stocks, can use their stock as currency without question. They're going to buy growth because the organic growth is not there. And biotech wins to this. So despite the fact that a Gilead, for example, has sold off on some disappointing news a couple of weeks ago, I think you stay with both the XBI and the IBB, Melms. So the whole space of the XLV as well has had a nice little run. I mean, part of it is where was their value? Right. And this is a space where not only is there value, people are looking for dividends also. And so it fits the bill there. Um, I mean, the IBB today, Viking, just, you know, an enormous jump. It's now the biggest holding yesterday. I'm sure it was half as big. Right. Um, That's kind of a really incredible move. But just the frenzy there. So I do think that I mean, we hear bankers talking about activity. And so to the extent that there is any activity, it begets more activity because people think, all right, well, there's not that many chairs left, right? If this is musical chairs, I got to jump on something. So that's been good. Although last year was painful. I have the biggest bet in the IBB. And you take a look at some of these giant outsized moves. I mean, they're eye-popping, they're attention-grabbing. You mentioned Viking, which we'll go into a little bit more later on. But Janix, for instance, Janix had uh, you know, phase one prostate cancer data, and the stock tripled in one session today. But I, I think I mentioned this, that the desperation that it almost feels like there is in mega cap pharma um, to do a deal. And, and, you know, whether it's Bristol Myers, whether it's Pfizer, whether it's, you know, some of these ones that seem like they're stuck in the mud, these are some of the biggest pharma companies in the world. By the way, the XLH or the ETF that tracks that sector is also kind of a runaway train. You have to be careful because Lilly's a big part of that. 
But uh, I do think it's a combination where you are seeing M&A activity. There's a reason why big cap pharma is chasing it. There's obviously some exciting parts of the biotech space. Uh, we clearly know what's going on in GLP-1 land. But you know, think about what's going on in oncology. Think about what's going on in Alzheimer's. I mean, these are hot, hot areas that I think a lot of people have. And, and it's a very fragmented industry, which I know we're going to talk about with GLP when we talk about the Viking News. So I think it continues. And if you look at those charts, the IBB is underperformed the, the XOK. But I mean, the, the dynamic there um, is that, excuse me, the XBI is, is that I think IBB is, is you know, more spring-loaded in some sense relative to the market caps. They're the bigger cap names. Uh, there's a lot of cash in there. And Amgen, which I think has exposure to a lot of these spots. It's funny. You know, I listen to you guys. You all make a lot of great points about stuff that's going on in the industry. But the but is that this looks like really late-stage sort of market stuff. So I look at my screens today, and I see the 10-year uh, at 4.3%. High yields has not always been a great thing for biotech stocks. It hasn't been a great thing for Russell 2000 small-cap stocks. A lot of those biotech stocks are in the Russell 2000. That massively outperformed on a day that the S&P was basically unchanged. I look at my screen. I have this whole page on my fact set screen of broken SPAC deals, all this crap that came no. in 2021 and the like. They're all raging today. Like, this is not really bullish activity, in my opinion, when I see the, the, the market kind of broadening out right. to that sort of stuff. So, you know, we could spend the next few days every day probably talking about a new thing that's going, you know, batshit. Bat, you know, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. Uh, but. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's like, only one way to mean it. All right. Well, listen, I mean, this is, and, and this is way, America's post-market show, and this is kind of how we talk on a trading desk, and I did not mean to do it like that. I'm sorry, people. Uh, but, like, we can do that. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so here's today. Well, well the flip side to rates going higher is that maybe this sort of pushes these smaller companies into the arms of big pharma, which are desperate, desperate to improve their pipelines at this point and are loaded with cash on their balance sheet. And they have to buy growth. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned phase one. We would have never, years ago, nobody ever wow. talked about But we're talking about it now because what's happening is people just want to get ahead of this. So, like, you know what? We're not going to stick around and wait to see what happens in phase three. If it looks good in phase one, we'll roll the dice here and pay up 5X as opposed for the 50X maybe if they get phase three approval. So I totally get what's going on. I understand what Dan's saying. With that said, I think biotech's the space you want to stick around in this year. Well, part of it is also, you know, we're at a time we're wrestling with multiples. And if you look at the multiples of, uh, I would dig into the IBB and say a lot of those multiples are maybe have been value traps. I mean, they've been places where I think these are cashed up companies that in some senses have, have slowed down the growth. They almost don't fit into their 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 biotech skin anymore. But but I, I, I think it will continue. And I think, you know, we could be having a conversation about the broader market. I actually think it's very healthy. I think it is healthy for the market. I, I you know, I, I guess I disagree a little bit. I look at industrials. I look at what's the breakout in banks. I look at retail. We're going to have a lot of chance to talk about that. So I'll save that. But to me, there are a lot of things that are breaking out. And we've been waiting for that IBB chart to kind of get to this place and break out. And I think it's had you know, enough of a technical runway to go there. Speaking of technicals, let's get to the chart master mm. to see what the technicals are actually showing. So, Carter, what's the diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, I think Tim Carroll. Just right there and very succinctly, it is a textbook breakout. Uh, but before we look at the charts of the IBB and the XBI, let's just let's dissect the two ETFs first. We might have a table here, and it's important. It puts in context just the difference between these two. Of course, IBB is the iShares, XBI is the Spider, but the difference is the weightings, right? And so one is quite a bit larger, IBB, 
217 stocks and 50% weight in the top 10 because you've got uh, you've got Amgen and you've got Biogen and 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 so forth all 100 billion uh, Gilead Vertex versus XBI which is equal weighted or close to it with the top 10 stocks only being 18%. But with that, let's look at some comparative charts to put this all in context. So there are four lines here, S&P leading the way there in blue. You've got XLV, of course, that's the entire healthcare sector, uh, standard poor's anyway, S&P 500, versus IBB and XBI. And XBI is really lagged because it is equal weight. Now, the real correlation, next chart, is Notice how tight the lines become. It's IWM because the beta or the correlation between small cap stocks, IWM, the Russell 2000, and biotech is very high, much higher than it is to the SPY, the median market cap being about 2.5 billion in uh, the XBI. But let's look at the charts themselves. So here we are, IBB, it's been the leader of the two. Uh, You have converging trend lines and you have a move out of that formation. I would say just play it higher. By contradistinction, take a look at um, XBI. It was the real laggard. And in fact, at its lows of just this uh, past four or five months, it was at its lows for the past five years. But that's a heck of a level from which it uh, came to life. And it too has moved above its downtrend line. I would just say play for higher. Um, Here's a would you rather, Carter. Mm. Oh, nice. XBI or IBB? Uh, yeah, I would go with the one that's pure, so XBI, because you, you're not so dependent on just a handful of names. Again, it would be Regeneron, Vertex, Gilead, Biogen, Moderna. Carter, thank you so much. Carter Braxton-Worth of Worth Charting. All right, so if money's going into biotech, where's the money coming from? Jared Holes of Mizuho was writing about the biotech rally this morning and said, you know, maybe money is coming from mega cap tech. Apple. Yeah. Apple. I mean, think, think about think about what's not been performing and think about where it's easy to say there is no innovation. And I'm, I'm not saying that, but we're we're trying to characterize why someone might rotate out of what is formerly higher growth stuff into stuff. It's a big it's a big change in allocation. Let's be clear. I mean, you're taking on more risk, significantly more risk when you're looking at, at biotech over over an Apple or even a Google. But I, I, I do think a lot of 22 outside of NVIDIA and Lilly and a handful of stocks has been broadening an allocation. Yeah, I would just say one thing. I mean, like, like some of these moves are really unabated if they want to pull up the XLV. And again, we know what's going on here. You know, this thing is just literally it's a, you know, 45. It's pretty steep here. Right. And so the idea that we wouldn't have a check back. I know if Carter had a little more time, you might say that about all of these things that kind of broke out of these long, long consolidations. If you want to even pull this one um, back out a little bit. And so the idea that we're just going to kind of have a runaway breakout right now because uh, corporates are feeling animal spirits, investors are feeling animal spirits. I mean, that's really what's going on here. What Guy just said about the phases when companies used to actually take the plunge and buy these companies when they had more data about the drugs in the pipeline. But right now, they're just getting in there and doing that. That's speaking to a sentiment that I think is very like pronounced. All, like Think about we are seeing a lot of M&A in a lot of different sectors right now. And you know this has gone year over year. We were convinced a year ago there was going to be a recession. It was going to be a global recession. And now it's just like off to the races. And so at some point, there has to be some sort of check back about that overzealous sentiment, in my opinion. So the one thing to remember, though, we talked a lot about when the insurers reported how mm-hmm. MLRs were med- medical yes. loss ratios and how much they were spending per dollar premium on actually whether it's uh, hospital stays or uh, devices or drugs. So I think there's still some pent up demand that we're going to see continue for a while. Now, the XLV, which also does have some exposure to the insurers, but it has a lot of exposure to a lot of other things that are the beneficiary of that higher MLR. 
All right, let's uh, dive down into the, one of the biggest moves in the markets today, and that would be Viking Therapeutics soaring 121% after reporting phase two trial data on its own experimental obesity drug. The results showing a patient's loss up to 14.7% of body weight from the baseline after 13 weeks of treatment. It's a once a week shot. Viking also announcing today after the close a $350 million proposed stock offering to fund the development of its drug pipeline. Our next guest thinks the stock reaction today is deserved. Jay Olson is a senior your biotech analyst at Oppenheimer. He's got an outperform rating on Viking. Jay, great to have you with us. Thank you, Melissa. Um, it's great to be on today talking about Viking. So at this point, is it still deserved? How are we thinking about the multiple? Yeah, absolutely. Look, this was a great run for uh, Viking shareholders today. If you look at the increase in the market cap that we've seen for Lilly and Novo driven by their obesity drugs, granted Viking is at a much earlier stage of development by comparison, But if Viking's drug is as good as today's results suggest, then the current $8.6 billion market cap is looking pretty attractive. You wrote that the phase two data is almost flawless. uh, And the results look very good in terms of, you know, a low number of patients dropping out across dosages, the adverse events across dosages, et cetera. But as it moves to phase three, what are some of the pitfalls potentially? I mean, this was a relatively small, it seemed like a small phase two was 176 adults or something like that. I mean, for phase three, what are you looking for? Yeah, those are great points. You know, the efficacy that we saw, the 13% of placebo-adjusted weight loss at, at 13 weeks is really phenomenal, compares well to Eli Lilly's ZepBound, and as well as their next-generation weight loss drug. So really good efficacy. It was only at 13 weeks, so we need to see more patients for a longer duration of treatment. And to your point, the tolerability here is going to be key. The dropouts were very low. Most of the GI side effects occurred in the first week, so that's after just one dose, and patients seem to build up a tolerability. So if they can stay on this drug and the trajectory of the weight loss continues and it hasn't plateaued yet, we could see a a really uh, impressive result here for a larger, longer study from this drug. Jay, it's Karen. Thanks for being on today. Uh, so this, this offering makes complete sense for them to take advantage of the price here. This will double their cash. They still have a fairly significant burn, though, well over $100 million. Does this buy them enough time to get where they need to, which is they hope is a successful phase three? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not entirely certain that the next step here is a phase three. Management has indicated that they need to run one more phase two study. So this cash is certainly adequate to to fund that. And then let's see what happens. These uh, study results are great catalysts to unlock a lot of shareholder value. So a lot of there's a lot of optionality here for different things to happen after the next study and the cash they've raised should be sufficient for that. Jay, in the notes, these, these datas, the data are phenomenal, just as good, if not better, than Lillian Novo. So it closed today, it's an $8.5 billion company. Assuming, and I'm taking you at your word, that that is accurate. I mean, this is a lottery ticket for somebody, and it's, and to a certain extent, given the market caps of a name like Lilly, it's, it's, a, it's a rounding error. So is this on their radar screen to sort of become additive for them or to take some competition out of the mix? Absolutely. This very well could be on the shopping list for any large cap pharma or biotech company that wants to be in the obesity market and does not currently have a drug. There are plenty of them out there. And, you know, at $8.6 billion market cap, someone could pay a pretty significant premium for Viking and, and pick this up, as you indicated, for a relatively low price compared to the, the potential that, that exists for a drug like this. 
Hey, hey, Jay, it's Tim. But I'm going to dive in where I did yesterday when we had a conversation about another player. Uh, Doesn't this tell you that this addressable market that we've been doing math on with Lily and Novo for for six months um, isn't all going to two people? And and I realize you said phase three and coming to markets three years away. But when when analysts are doing their math, not necessarily you and not necessarily me, but but people begin to price in uh, the the dynamics of what could happen across this market over the next five to 10 years. Um, That to me says and you noticed you and you excuse me, you, you pointed out that it will be nuanced, right, that there will be niche players and there will be different parts of this and that sophistication is is going to be very interesting it tells me that lily and novo are overpriced well i i can't comment on on your last comment but to your earlier point yes this is going to be a very large market by consensus estimates this could be up to 70 billion dollars in annual revenue within the next 10 years we've never seen a market that large that was entirely dominated by just two players there's plenty of room for new players to enter the market here just as we've seen in the diabetes market which where uh, by the way is is where these drugs evolved from so we would expect this large market is going to have millions of patients in it we would expect this market to be fragmented and segmented just the way you would any large market and to your point Every obesity patient is going to have a different primary manifestation of their disease. Some of some obese patients will suffer from cardiovascular disease. Some will have type 2 diabetes. Some will have fatty liver disease. So those are all nuances and different flavors of obesity that can be addressed by these new entrants to the market. Do you think, Jay, that when the company comes out and is expected in the first quarter with their phase one data on the oral formulation for this compound, that that will also be a catalyst despite the stocks run today? Absolutely, Melissa. Thank you for pointing that out. That is a great catalyst that could unlock significant additional shareholder potential. Viking is the first drug in this mechanism to have an oral obesity drug that's going to be uh, presenting phase one data within uh, by the end of this quarter. So that's an important catalyst. And as we've seen from today, these types of catalysts can unlock a lot of shareholder value. And when you say mechanism as a dual agonist? That's right. Dual agonist of GLP-1 and GIP. They have the first oral dual agonist GLP-1 and GIP. Okay. Jay, great to have you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And for an in-depth look at the obesity drug market, do not forget to tune into this Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern on CNBC, for the premiere of my documentary, Big Shot, The Ozempic Revolution, right here on CNBC. I'm tuning in. I mean, watch couldn't party. be more, more party. appropriate. It, this yeah. is the time to go watch this. I know <laughs> I will. You said dual agonist. You weren't talking about these two. Well, I, I, I didn't even know what it meant. I was looking at my glow. Or my dual antagonist. Well, I, when you said the, all the flavors of obesity, I was like, I got that, I got that, I got that. <laughs> this is uh, the big shot. Thursday? Thursday. Thursday 10 p.m. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Coming up, a look at some of today's fast movers. Macy's and Lowe's higher after earnings numbers out of this morning's reports and how our traders are playing the moves next. Plus, famed tech reporter Kara Swisher joins us next to lay out her take on the AI surge and why we could be nearing an inflection point in this trade. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. This is Fast Money with Melissa Lee right here on CNBC. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. 
This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money and Earnings Alert on Urban Outfitter. Shares dropping 7% after the retailer missed on the top and the bottom lines. Earlier today, Macy's reported revenue coming in below estimates for the fourth quarter, and the retailer announced it will close 150 uh, of its namesake stores, part of the company's new growth strategy. The stock closed up more than 3%. Lowe's, meantime, beat on the top and the bottom lines, reported 2024 sales will come in below what they were in 2023. This is due in part to customers taking fewer home projects on the shares ended the day just under 2%. Karen, you're pointing Lowe's out um, today. Yes. I mean, it's been, you know, there's been a nice move on what wasn't actually, you know, you could definitely put a less positive spin mm-hmm. on this than where the stock traded $4 off its high, I think. Um, I, I think there's just sort of more optimism in general. Home Depot is doing well as well. But to me, I have a bigger bet in Lowe's in that it is still materially cheaper than Home Depot. I felt like the conference call commentary was a little bit cautious. Yes. Maybe that was right. right. Like, maybe that's a good thing that you, you want to DIY will remain under pressure. Most homeowners are locked in under 4%. I'm surprised the stock didn't, didn't react off yeah. of that, actually. Right. Yes. Yeah. It was the exact same guy as Home Depot. I, I mean, I thought I was listening to the same call. And, and they were both cautious, and yet look at that chart in Home Depot breaking out. Retail across the board, I thought this was the day that retail really showed something. If you look at that XRT, that's a breakout. That's up 33% from early November. XRT doesn't do that. And, and again, it's not a heavily weighted in a couple big names that could have moved it. It's actually a very uh, you know evenly weighted ETF. While you were on vacation, Melms, uh, Urban Outfitters made it. So, if, so if, with Tim and Tim. And, and I wished him back. Yeah, but I, I wish feel like every time you mention her being back, I want to be mentioned again. Welcome back from vacation, <laughs> Tim. And Karen. Like Thanks. you didn't yeah. matter. <laughs> no, they, totally. they, they, so, some of us just worked right through your yeah. vacations, by the way. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Urban Outfitters either was an all-time high today or definitely a 52-week high. I mean, this thing's been on autopilot higher. This quarter's not particularly good. And you can say, you know what, valuation makes sense. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. But you don't really have any EPS growth there either. So. So this is a stock that's gone straight up. I mean, it's trading 43 and change now. I mean, there's a real good chance you have a 38 handle in the stock over the next couple of days. So you guys like to make fun of me. You know, you know who's kind of in my don't. camp? DJ Soul. Huh? That's David Solomon, yeah. right? CEO yeah, yeah. of Goldman. Did you see right. what he had to say at an industry conference today? Like, he's saying the world's priced for a soft landing. He's talking about some consumer, U.S. consumers sort of stuff. I just feel like, you know, like not a lot of people are focused on that right now. Like, like the consensus is, is like we're out of the woods. And David know. Soul was, was Starsky. 100%. I think he passed away Hush. recently Don't as well. give up on us, baby. Which is, a, you know, what's a great. Sensitive. You and I actually could do that Why at karaoke. Every <laughs> single block, you guys are going off the rails. Like, what's, what is it yeah. about? We missed you. Candy before the show. We missed you. Too much candy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like my four year old. No fault. more candy. Um, Macy's, I thought, was really interesting because they were closing the Macy's stores, but they're expanding Bloomies and Blue, Blue Mercury, which right. they said were healthy and accretive. Yes. So it's like the bifurcation of the consumer. It is, although it's, it's always concerning to me to cut to growth, right? Uh. Um, because you do have now, they'll take the lower performing stores, but you still have an overhead base 
on potentially a smaller mm -hmm. revenue, likely a much smaller revenue stream. To me, though, this is all about the, um, the proxy fight. And I think right. that the bidder has to bump before the meeting. Can I talk about something real, sure. not, not okay. David Soule? Um, you know, you looked at AutoZone today. They had great numbers. They had better margins. You look at what's going on uh, at Dollar Gen. There's some people that would say, I, I know there are headwinds to the consumer, but between the child tax care credits, between uh, tax refunds, there's a lot of people that are saying this consumer has more powder coming. And you're seeing it in some of those names geared at the lower to mid-sized con uh, consumer. And, you know, auto, auto parts, we talk about Carvana. Uh, you know, those continue to rip, and I think there's probably more there. All right, there's a lot more Fast Monday to come. Here's what's coming up next. Nothing seems to be stopping the red-hot tech trade. But if history is any guide, could we be nearing an AI inflection point? Famed tech journalist Kara Swisher joins us next to break it down. Plus, one cruise line running a tight ship as Norwegian surges after earnings. But has the ship sailed on these gains? You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Fast Money Stocks. Closing mix as investors awaited some key inflation data later this week. The Dow dropping nearly 100 points. The S&P and Nasdaq both with small gains, but the Russell 2000 jumping more than 1%, notching its first four-day winning streak of 2024. Some after-hours action here. Shares of Boston Beer dropping after missing the top and the bottom lines. Devon Energy reporting in-line earnings and a beat on revenue. Shares of First Solar, meantime, nearly 5% higher after an earnings beat. The company giving full-year guidance in line with estimates as well. And take look at Bitcoin surging once again today, crossing $57,000 at one point, hitting its highest level since December of 2021. Crypto proxies like Coinbase, MicroStrategy, Marathon Digital, all climbing as well. We've been talking about this for days and days and days, and here we are. It keeps on going, Guy. It does. Congratulations. I saw Anthony Scaramucci today. A lot of people have wagered a lot on this, and they're winning right now. But there are stocks that work, and we've talked about it. Dan's mentioned the balance sheet of Robinhood. I still think it's got room. It had a big move over the last couple of days. I think it's finally breaking out of a three-year malaise. That's the first place I'd look. Tim's Coinbase on fire. Uh, we'll see how long that lasts. A lot of people think that's a short, but I still think Robinhood's the place to go here. I'm a little surprised at how strong it is, right? We saw that post the approval, post-ETF, yeah, yeah. so there was that, you know, by the rumor, sell the news, and then it rallied really sharply from there. If you think, though, about the, the nuclear winter that it has survived, right, with, you know, freed and, right. and so, you know, and that it's still here. Also, you'd think that the Fed kind of having some, you know, discipline and restraint wouldn't be great for this, but yet it is. So I don't know if it's, they're waiting for other ETFs, and that's just all part of the party. Just hang on to any, any liquid you know, cryptocurrency until another ETF. Well, goes, look at which, it will, which it will. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, but, but then go back to look at what this Treasury has to refinance mm -hmm. in terms of debt at 5%. Right. I mean, the, the whole, some of the ethos and the raison d'etre for, uh, you know, Bitcoin is, yeah, I threw some French out there, wow. Tish. Oh, nice. um, and, and so, 
it, it's just part of why Bitcoin enthusiasts have been at this for a long, long time. And, and so we are at peak Fed in some way. It doesn't mean that the Fed is turning around and going to reverse gears. But Karen, your point's well taken. Seemingly, um, this should be a time when Bitcoin should, you know, be, be feeling out the Fed. I think if the Fed is out of the way for the most part, Bitcoin's got room to run. Yeah, so it's interesting. So peak, peak Fed meant that, you know, equities exploded. And that's really what happened. But right now, you know, Bitcoin is probably sniffing out the fact that inflation is probably done going down. And so if you think about, like, one of the main pillars of the bull case for crypto has been, you know, this, you know, inflation sort of hedge, right, this store of value. That's the only one that's really stood up. Now, it was very correlated over the last couple of years when we had the bear market in 2022 in equities and other risk assets. And then in 2023, think about this a year ago when SVB went under. I mean, this thing was trading below 20,000. So here we are just below 60,000. And I think it's basically suggesting in some way, shape or form that maybe, yeah, the Fed is done raising rates, um, but inflation's not going anywhere. And this might be a new normal. And I'll just make one last point, like throw up this chart. I think these guys have it right here. The last time the S&P, you know, uh, or last Last time the 10-year yield was at 4.3%, which we are right now, okay, on its way to 3.8%. That's the thing that launched equities, right, on this move um, to new highs and everything like that. Look at that. Look where we are right now. 4.3%. We're 10% higher. So at some point, I think that equities and Bitcoin probably shouldn't be correlated in this environment with rates going higher. That's just my two cents. And at some point, I think equities probably come in. I think Bitcoin probably does too a little bit. All right, coming up, the AI surge has taken the world by storm, but could we be nearing an inflection point in the trade? How all the hype could be pushing tech in a new direction? Famed technology journalist Kara Swisher is here to lay out her take on the topic and the similarities she is seeing to the dot-com boom. More on that when Fast Money returns back in two. Missed a moment of fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Follow the Fast Money podcast. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Nasdaq closing around session highs up almost 60 points, and it's now just 1% from its all-time high. The index benefiting from the parabolic move in AI stocks. Take a look at some of the biggest AI gainers of the, over the past year. NVIDIA, Meta, AMD, Intel, Microsoft surging as much as 230-plus percent. The boom sparking fears about a dot-com-style bubble on the horizon. Famed journalist Kara Swisher tackles big tech and Silicon Valley in her new book, which is out today. Kara, of course, covered the dot-com era. She's the author of Burn Book, a tech love story. She's also host of the podcast On with Kara Swisher. Kara, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. It's good to be here. I miss you guys. We miss you, and yeah. we're glad that you're here. We don't usually hear that. Launches. <laughs> really? Well, you know. <laughs> um, in terms of AI, you know, you, you go through, you've gone through your career mm-hmm. in all phases of technology. How does this stack up? Do you think that Important. The, the burst is going to be as big as the burst that we saw before? No, but when you saw the burst, then there's never been a greater acceleration of wealth in the history of the planet, right? Uh, so, you know, all these all these industries, whether it's crypto or just talking about Bitcoin, they go through these troughs, including EVs right now. But inevitably, that's where it's going. And AI is another major moment in technology. There's several graphical users, you know, the chip itself, the computer, then the laptop, then the graphical user interface was in there, um, mobile, social, you know, internet, mobile, social. And this is one of those. And it's a big one. I think what's interesting also about this particular phase is that 
the main players right now, or who we see as the main players, same ones. are the same ones. They're it's legacy costly. players. Compute is high. Compute yeah. is very expensive, and so it has to be the big players. Guess who also has all the data, which, of course, they lifted from all of us, but that's another topic altogether. Right. <laughs> so, Kara, I love the book. Thank the you. The burn book, people. Go out the and burn. get one um, here. You know, you have a, don't had, burn it, though. Or they'll burn it and buy another copy. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> you know, a lot of this, you know, you had a front row seat for Web 1.0, and, and a lot of us were in the business at the time. And the investment community, I think, for a whole, a whole host of reasons, were probably kind of late to it, and then they all came to it. And that's, that's right. why we had this bubble sort of thing. Mm -hmm. What would you kind of, and what Mel just said, the big platform companies, they own it, and they've minted these hundred billionaire sort of like, you know, th mm -hmm. what would you say to these folks who think that this is it? It's never going to have one of those kind of peaks and troughs, that sort of thing, no. based on your experience. This you know, is over a the last big moment. Years. This is a big moment. I, running away from this is ridiculous. I mean, maybe there'll be, they'll, you'll see too many like insurance AIs or whatever. There'll be too many of them just like there were in the dot com. And then things will settle out. And the thing is, we can't imagine what's going to happen yet. Like when you got the iPhone in 2007, could you think Uber? No, like, right? You couldn't think of all the many things on it. And so I think, or when you first saw the internet, did you know Yahoo? No, and then it wasn't there. These things go like this. And so I can't, I can imagine some things that can happen. I can imagine assistant. I can imagine uh, videos in your AirPods that then tell you, you know, Dan wants to have lunch, but you know you can't stand him. And I, what do I do? And my AI calls his AI and says, oh, Kara is, has strep throat or whatever. Something like that. Like you can, no, of course, I suggest you all the time. Um, but, you know, you can imagine all kinds of things. You just don't know what is going to make a business. Now, right now, it's very costly. Like when they show these videos off and everyone loses their mind, like Taylor, um, uh, Tyler Perry, it's very expensive to do that right now. So the costs are way too high. And that's that's because that's and only the big companies can do it. That's why Sam Altman's trying to raise seven trillion dollars. That's not even enough. You so, know. so, Kara, then you, know, you reference Google. Sounds like you think Google's Google and they're not going anywhere yeah, and they've no. got all our data. How about Apple? You know, today, front page, you can see that Apple's scrapping their their electric car odyssey, as it's termed by so some far. other not so far. And that they're taking some of those people and they're repurposing them on their A.I. I mean, yeah doesn't sound all that impressive to the folks that are in the middle of the market and been looking for more innovation out of Apple. I, I realize we've done that for years with Apple, That's but I, I'm you curious your view that. on this. Well, they're not, they haven't been a rapacious information thief as the others have been. They don't keep a lot of data. So it's not necessarily an area. And, but you can put, you can figure out what they could do with all of this, like assistance. They, they will dominate in assistance and, you know, get things that coordinate together. They will use AI. They don't collect as much data as everybody else. That's right. the issue. Um, Google does, obviously Rapacious. Meta is, does. Rapacious information Fantastic. things. It's a Georgetown George George Yes, it's a Georgetown George George word. That's yeah, correct. Nice. No, that's actually, um, Walt Mossberg called them that, Rapacious information thieves. That's what they are. I'm sorry. That's what they've done. They have the data and now they can use it. Apple wasn't one of those companies. As you know, when I interviewed Steve Jobs, which I referenced in the book, he talked about the need for, that was their, that's their thing and therefore they will be slightly behind in that area. Uneasy is a head that lies the crown. A little yes. Shakespeare for you. And Thank these, you. All these technology folks now, they all wear the crown. I mean, mm -hmm. how? There's huge responsibility there. They get caught up to Capitol Hill all the time. You've talked to all these folks. What's mm -hmm. your sense about how they're handling things? There's been no accountability, but it's now not their fault. Look, they're in the business to help shareholders. At some point, you're like, the first line of my book is, uh, so it was capitalism mm -hmm. after all, D largely because the nonsense about community and they're here to save the world. I'm honestly, my whole joke is, you remember the Twilight Zone episode to serve man? Sure. It's a cookbook. 
And guess what? They want to eat us. That's that's I'm good with that. I get what they are um, at this point. It's on the regulators who've done nothing, who've sat on their hands and done nothing. It's their fault for not doing guidelines, regulations. Here's another opportunity to put them in place. And what does Mike Johnson do? Like he, he puts together a bipartisan commission. Oh, my God, you're kidding me. Like it's here. <laughs> do something about it. But, you know, they can't agree on lunch. So it must be hard. So are you fundamentally optimistic about AI? Are you scared mm. or both? Or Neither. I, I, I can't stand the accelerationists and I can't stand the decelerationists. I just don't. It's, it's kind of stupid. It's like, am I, am I, I'm looking out of Times Square right now. Am I optimistic about electricity? In some cases, yes. I don't much like electrocution. And that's a quote I use. Like, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. It's a, it's a, it's a Paul Virilio quote. And what I'm optimistic about is that there are great uses. There are great ways to create wealth. There's also enormous danger. And at, for the first time, we should assess them both at the same time. Mitigate for this. You're never going to get rid of all the danger. And maximize for the benefits. Healthcare, all, all kinds of new businesses, exciting new ways to do it. And guess who dominates this area? The United States of America, once again. And by the way, San Francisco, that's where they all are, you know, beginning to locate. We can do this really well, but it needs to, the government needs to be involved in some way in putting in guardrails. And the industry has to take more accountability. They just do. They can't. They're nation states. They can't just do whatever they want anymore. And but they kind of can because they're so rich and powerful and our legislators don't do anything. I mean, I think that most people would agree that government has to do more. Right. In general, but in particular. In particular. When it comes to, well, they've talked about. Aid, but they haven't. And they've talked about a range of things like we can all like it has to be global, by the way. Right. And it's, that's going to be difficult. But we've done it on nuclear, nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. We've done it on cloning. There's an ability to do this, even if we're at cross purposes with China, which is probably the other AI superpower here. Um, we can do that. It's just what don't we want to happen? Okay, let's say killer robots. Yes, no, we shouldn't do that. Like, how hard is that? Except for some guy in in, in North Korea, he might want that. Like, well, too bad. He lives outside the zone of most nations, right? And so we have to decide on a lot of things. Should there be safety involved or safety requirements? Should there be provenance of where the data comes from? It's not terrifically hard. It just it, it takes, you know, political will and a commitment to protect people. So, Kara, a good part of the, the beginning of the book, it's uh, spending time on a lot of the characters in Web 1.0 yeah. and, and like how they interchange and in your kind of relationships with them and, and your views from uh, a side. When we just think about this last kind of six months or so, the situation with Sam Altman. Yeah. Right now, Sundar Pichai at Google, uh, to Tim's point, is under a lot of like yes. pressure right here. It's kind of interesting. Is this kind of history like rhyming a little bit? Are we likely to see some turnover in the C-suite? Um, well, Sundar came on after the founders, right? Yeah. There's a lot of these people that came on. Uh, Satya Nadella is doing quite well. Mm -hmm. He came on after the founders, essentially Bomber and Gates. Um, you know, Tim Cook's done awfully well at Apple. You know, you keep mm -hmm. counting them out. It's a 10x since right. Steve Jobs died. 10x, right? Come right. on, who can do that? Um, I think that it's very hard because Google's under a lot of scrutiny because of its previous behavior around search, and they, they're, under, they're under scrutiny, so they have to move closely. But I don't forget that Google was the one that bought DeepMind way back. That was the first important AI company in this new era. And so they certainly have a lot of data. They've got a lot of technology and they've got a, you know, they've stopped doing the crazy stuff like the chairlifts in the streets of San Francisco. And now they need to focus in it the way Microsoft has done. I think. Thank you so much. for No problem. By. Thank you so awesome. much. Again, her book, Burn Book, A Tech Love Story is out today. So go, go get it. Coming up, we're watching eBay after hours shares higher after posting results and numbers out of that quarter when Fast Money returns.
Black-owned businesses secured a little over $2 billion in venture capital in 2022. That's a lot of money, but it represents less than 1% of the more than $200 billion pool of venture capital. Many agree this means there's more opportunity to invest in founders of color. Celebrating Black Heritage, I'm Sharon Epperson. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Nasdaq closing around session highs up almost 60 points, and it's now just 1% from its all-time high. The index benefiting from the parabolic move in AI stocks. Take a look at some of the biggest AI gainers of the, over the past year. NVIDIA, Meta, AMD, Intel, Microsoft surging as much as 230-plus percent. The boom sparking fears about a dot-com-style bubble on the horizon. Famed journalist Kara Swisher tackles big tech and Silicon Valley in her new book, which is out today. Kara, of course, covered the dot-com era. She's the author of Burn Book, a tech love story. She's also host of the podcast On with Kara Swisher. Kara, it's great to have you here. Thank you. Congratulations on the book. Thank you. It's good to be here. I miss you guys. We miss you, and yeah. we're glad that you're here. We don't usually hear that. Launches. <laughs> really? Well, you know. <laughs> in terms of AI, you know, you, you go through, you've gone through your career mm-hmm. in all phases of technology. How does this stack up? Do you think that Important. The, the burst is going to be as big as a burst that we saw before? No, but when you saw the burst, then there's never been a greater acceleration of wealth in the history of the planet, right? Uh, so, you know, what, all these all these industries, whether it's crypto or just talking about Bitcoin, they go through these troughs, including EVs right now. But inevitably, that's where it's going. And AI is another major moment in technology. There's several graphical user, you know, the chip itself, the computer, then the laptop, then the graphical user interface was in there. Uh, mobile, social, you know, internet, mobile, social. And this is one of those. And it's a big one. I think what's interesting also about this particular phase is that the main players right now, or who we see as the main players, same ones. are the same ones. They're it's legacy costly. players. Compute is high. Compute yeah. is very expensive, and so it has to be the big players. Guess who also has all the data, which, of course, they lifted from all of us, but that's another topic altogether. Right. <laughs> so, Kara, I love the book. Thank the you. The burn book, people. Go out the and get one um, here. You know, you have a, don't had, burn it, though. Yeah, or they'll burn it and buy another copy. Yeah. I'm fine. Well, yeah, that's smart. <laughs> you know, a lot of this, you know, you had a front row seat for Web 1.0, and, and a lot of us were in the business at the time. And the investment community, I think, for a whole, a whole host of reasons were probably kind of late to it, and then they all came to it. And that's, that's right. why we had this bubble sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What would you kind of, and what Mel just said, the big platform companies, they own it, and they've minted these hundred billionaires sort of like, you know, th- mm-hmm. what would you say to these folks who think that this is it? It's never going to have one of those kind of peaks and troughs, that sort of thing, no. based on your experience. This you know, is a the last big moment. Years. This is a big moment. I, I'm running away from this is ridiculous. I mean, maybe there'll be, they'll, you'll see too many like insurance AIs or whatever. There'll be too many of them, just like there were in the dot-com. And then things will settle out. And the thing is, we can't imagine what's going to happen yet. Like, when you got the iPhone in 2007, could you think Uber? No, like, right? You couldn't think of all the many things on it. And so I think, or when you first saw the Internet, did you know Yahoo? No, and then it wasn't there. These things go like this. And so I can't, I can imagine some things that can happen. I can imagine assistant. I can imagine videos in your AirPods that then tell you, you know, Dan wants to have lunch, but you know you can't stand him. And I, what do I do? And my AI calls his AI and says, oh, Kara is, has strep throat or whatever. Something like that. Like you could, no, of course, I suggest you all the time. Um, but, you know, you can imagine all kinds of things. You just don't know what is going to make a business. Now, right now, it's very costly. Like when they show these videos off and everyone loses their mind, like Taylor, um, uh, Tyler Perry, it's very expensive to do that right now. So the costs are way too high. And that's that's because that's 
And only the big companies can do it. That's why Sam Altman's trying to raise $7 trillion. That's not even enough. You so, know. so, Kara, then you, know, you reference Google. Sounds like you think Google's Google, and they're not going anywhere, yeah, and they've no. got all our data. How about Apple? You know, today, front page, you can see that Apple's scrapping their, their electric car odyssey, as it's termed by so some far. other. Not so far. And that they're taking some of those people, and they're repurposing them on their AI. I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound all that impressive to the folks that are in the middle of the market and been looking for more innovation out of Apple. I, I realize we've done that for years with Apple, That's but I, I'm you curious your view that. on this. Well, they're not, they haven't been a rapacious information thief, as the others have been. They don't keep a lot of data. So it's not necessarily an area. But you can put, you can figure out what they could do with all of this, like assistance. They, they will dominate in assistance and, you know, get things that coordinate together. They will use AI. They don't collect as much data as everybody else. That's right. the issue. Um, Google does. Obviously, Rapacious. Meta is, does. Rapacious information themes. It's a Georgetown George George Yes, it's a Georgetown George George That's nice. correct. No, that's actually um, Walt Mossberg called them that. Rapacious information thieves. That's what they are. I'm sorry. That's what they've done. They have the data, and now they can use it. Apple wasn't one of those companies. As you know, when I interviewed Steve Jobs, which I referenced in the book, he talked about the need for... That was their, that's their thing, and therefore, they will be slightly behind in that area. Uneasy is a head that lies the crown. A little Shakespeare yes. for you. And Thank these, you. All these technology folks now, they all wear the crown. I mean, mm -hmm. how... There's huge responsibility there. They get caught up to Capitol Hill all the time. You've talked to all these folks. What's mm -hmm. your sense about how they're handling things? There's been no accountability, but it's now not their fault. Look, they're in the business to help shareholders. At some point, you're like... The first line of my book is, uh, so it was capitalism mm -hmm. after all. Largely because the nonsense about community and they're here to save the world. I'm honestly, my whole joke is, you remember the Twilight Zone episode, To Serve Man? Sure. It's a cookbook. And guess what? They want to eat us. That's, that's, I'm good with that. I get what they are. Um, at this point, it's on the regulators who've done nothing, who've sat on their hands and done nothing. It's their fault for not doing guidelines, regulations. Here's another opportunity to put them in place. And what does Mike Johnson do? Like, he, he puts together a bipartisan commission. Oh, my God, you're kidding me. Like, it's here. Do something about it. But, you know, they can't agree on lunch, so it must be hard. So are you fundamentally optimistic about AI? Are you scared mm. or both? Or Neither. I, I, I can't stand the accelerationists, and I can't stand the decelerationists. I just don't. It's, it's kind of stupid. It's like, am I, am I, I'm looking out of Times Square right now. Am I optimistic about electricity? In some cases, yes. I don't much like electrocution, and that's a quote I use. Like, when you invent the ship, you invent the shipwreck. It's a, it's a, it's a Paul Virilio quote. And what I'm optimistic about is that there are great uses. There are great ways to create wealth. There's also enormous danger. And at, for the first time, we should assess them both at the same time, mitigate for this. You're never going to get rid of all the danger. And maximize for the benefits, healthcare, care, all, all kinds of new businesses, exciting new ways to do it. And guess who dominates this area? The United States of America, once again. And by the way, San Francisco, that's where they all are, you know, beginning to locate. We can do this really well, but it needs to, the government needs to be involved in some way in putting in guardrails. And the industry has to take more accountability. They just do. They can't, they're nation states. They can't just do whatever they want anymore. And but they kind of can because they're so rich and powerful and our legislators don't do anything. I mean, I think that most people would agree that government has to do more right. in general, but in particular, in particular. <laughs> when it comes to... Well, they've talked about... Aid, but they haven't. And They've it, talked why? about a range of things. Like, we can all... Like, it has to be global, by the way, right. and it's, that's going to be difficult. But we've done it on nuclear, nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. We've done it on cloning. There's an ability to do this, even if we're at cross-purposes with China, which is probably the other AI superpower here. Um, we can do that. It's just what don't we want to happen? Okay, let's say 
killer robots. Yes, no, we shouldn't do that. Like, how hard is that? Except for some guy in, in North Korea, he might want that. Like, well, too bad. He lives outside the zone of most nations, right? And so we have to decide on a lot of things. Should there be safety involved or safety requirements? Should there be providence of where the data comes from? It's not terrifically hard. It just it, it takes, you know, political will and a commitment to protect people. So, Kara, a good part of the, the beginning of the book, it's uh, spending time on a lot of the characters in Web 1.0 yeah. and, and like how they interchange and in your kind of relationships with them and, and your views from uh, a side. When we just think about this last kind of six months or so, the situation with Sam Altman yeah. right now, Sundar Pichai at Google uh, to Tim's point is under a lot of like yes. pressure right here. It's kind of interesting. Is this kind of history like rhyming a little bit? Are we likely to see some turnover in the C-suite? Um, well, Sundar came on after the founders, right? Yeah. There's a lot of these people that came on. Uh, Satya Nadella is doing quite well. Mm-hmm. He came on after the founders, essentially Bomber and Gates. Um, you know, Tim Cook's done awfully well at Apple. You know, you keep mm-hmm. counting them out. It's a 10x since right. Steve Jobs died. 10x, right? Come right. on, who can do that? Um, I think that it's very hard because Google's under a lot of scrutiny because of its previous behavior around search, and they, they're, under, they're under scrutiny, so they have to move closely. But I don't forget that Google was the one that bought DeepMind way back. That was the first important AI company in this new era. And so they certainly have a lot of data. They've got a lot of technology, and they've got a, you know they've stopped doing the crazy stuff like the chairlifts in the streets of San Francisco. And now they need to focus in the way Microsoft has done. I Eric, think. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. By. Thank you so You're much. Awesome. Again, her book, Burn Book: A Tech Love Story, is out today. So go go get it. Coming up, we're watching eBay after our shares higher after posting results and numbers out of that quarter when Fast Money returns. Black-owned businesses secured a little over $2 billion in venture capital in 2022. That's a lot of money, but it represents less than 1% of the more than $200 billion pool of venture capital. Many agree this means there's more opportunity to invest in founders of color. Celebrating Black Heritage, I'm Sharon Epperson. Welcome back to Fast Money and Earnings Alert on eBay. Shares jumping after hours on an earnings beat. The company also raising its dividend and approving an additional $2 billion in stock repurchases. Healthy spending over the holidays and strength in auto parts, plus what they called refurbished uh, goods, helped fuel these gains. Anybody in eBay interested in eBay? I didn't know they were still in business. Oh. I'm just kidding. I mean, I did know that. But I, 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 I will say that the strength in auto is something that we've just been talking about. And auto parts, the supply dynamics still keep it very tight. Uh, prices are high. Stay there. $2 billion buyback is not insignificant for this company, number one. The technicians out there will look. If you go a longer-term chart, you'll see this 37 level, bit of a double bottom. The quarter wasn't great, but it's good enough, I think. Active users didn't go down that much from last year, and margins didn't decrease that much from last year. So there might be some giddy up left in the stock despite the move higher now. Yeah, to Tim's point, you know, this is a company that does $10 billion in sales, 72% gross margin. It is very profitable. It's just not growing. It's got a fine balance sheet. They're buying back stock. It's kind of funny that we're in this market where we're talking about all these whiz-bang, cool tech sort of things, and a lot of other stuff is going up. And this thing can't get out of its own way. So I, I would figure our value gal might, might mm. have like some interest in, in something like this. No? Well, I have some interest in something related, which is Etsy, which had mm. not good earnings. But I am interested in Elliott building a stake, just as they did in eBay right. at in the low 30s. And I think sold it in the, in the 60s somewhere. I love that asset light model, which is what eBay has as well. So hoping that magic works again. 
You still have that sock puppet on Etsy? No, I do. Well, Lisa Villalobos, House it. of the Wolf, she has it back coming in up, EC. Coming up, craving a Dave's <laughs> double? It might cost you double pretty soon. Wendy's is getting ready to test a new surge-style pricing method. But how will this unhappy hour affect the inflation-battered consumer? We'll break that down next. More Fast Money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Beyond Meat shares surging more than 75% after reporting results. Kate Rogers has got the details. Hey, Kate. Melissa, an unbelievable move here. At one point, soaring near 100% on this mixed quarter that did have some bright spots for investors. In terms of guidance, revenues came in above estimates. Gross margins for the year, though, they are expected to be in the mid to high teens range for the full year. The company has undertaken a major review of its business, and it's exiting some product lines like jerky and making changes to pricing with tiered pricing on the way to help restore its margins, CEO Ethan Brown said on the earnings call. It's also restructured and consolidated its production network. Now, Beyond did introduce a new healthier burger, if you remember last week, for retail in grocery stores that Brown believes will help woo customers back to the brand. I spoke to Ethan Brown about this. He seemed extremely optimistic that these health changes, like making it with avocado oil and shortening the ingredients list and also getting out there with a more health-conscious message would be the thing to bring consumers back to the brand. Melissa, back over to what you. Is, what's the primary message at this point for Beyond Meat? Is it is it people who want to save the environment? Is it people who want to eat healthier? I mean, what is... Because it's, it's gotten the full, you know, the bad rap in terms of it being actually healthier for you. Exactly. And that's the message that he specifically is looking to counter here with this new marketing. And again, this is going to be a product that's going to be sold in supermarkets. But when you ask what is the message, I think that's the big question that investors are asking here, right? Who are they targeting? You know, we hear that Gen Z wants to eat healthier. This is a healthier product. It is about climate for some people. So I think there is confusion and some mixed messaging there. And they're looking to also streamline that. Say we've shortened the list. This is healthier, better for the environment, better for you. Eat this. So we'll see if it works. Kate, thank you. Kate Rogers, Karen, you're pointing out huge short interest. Yes, definitely worth noting. Gigantic. All right. Well, from fake meat to a meaty matter at Wendy's, the fast food chain announcing it is getting set to test an Uber. I don't know what you're talking about. Uber-style surge pricing during peak dining hours. That means a Dave's double could cost you double or at least more during uh, the lunch and dinner rush. A proponent saying this can help ease burdens on staffing. I mean, it it really I think it'll ease the burden. Yeah. Surge pricing and fast food. will not go. Exactly. Surge pricing and fast food? I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. Most places try to staff up during their busiest times. Call me crazy, but, you know, that's what I would do. Because you want a hot burger, right? Hire more people. Anyway, up next, final (laughs) trades. Time for the final trade. Tim. This was a fun and informative show. I mean, they're always informative, but there was Isn't a little... It always fun and informative they, well, as if the other shows... You know what? Not. Now I feel bad. I'm sorry. This show is awful. Um, gold. We talked about Bitcoin. Half the reasons that we talked about owning Bitcoin are why you want to own gold for sure. And I think this is also one of those great, great long-term charts. Gold. Karen. Yes. So um, I come back to one of the originals, which is Walmart. And nice to be here with the OG again with everybody out on vacation, including Tim. Thank you. Great to be back, Karen. Thank you. Not a crazy multiple. I like it. Dan. You know, I came back to you coming back and then your podcast, How She Does It, was in my feed and you were interviewed on your own podcast. It's amazing. Go check it out, people. It was awesome. Uh, Guys OAH, breaking out here. Die. You know, Kate measured, mentioned that incredible move in Beyond Meat, and it's odd, Mel, because <laughs> last time I had Beyond Meat, I had an incredible move. 
myself. Not sure what that means. There you do. Yeah, uh, you Cleveland do. Cliffs, the resource <laughs> stock's breaking out there, Melms. Thank you for watching Fast Money, despite all these guys. Fast <laughs> Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. <laughs> all opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 